You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Presented by Home Advisor. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are so glad to be here today to help you take on projects around your house. This is episode 2012, and we've got a lot of great stuff to cover. First up, with all of the frenzy of modern life, are you longing for the days of past when all we did is sat outside and chatted with neighbors and enjoyed a nice cold lemonade in a rocker on a porch? Well, if you think about porches are like the perfect way to socially distantly communicate with, with neighbors that are walking by, right? Because you're keeping the distance, but it's a fun place to be. And it turns out that a lot of folks now are redoing those porches. They're becoming more and more popular, maybe driven on by COVID, maybe not. But we've got some tips if you'd like to give your porch an update. And with the generally blistering heat across the nation, are you wondering how to avoid having your yard turn into a dead, dry wasteland? We've got tips on how you can conserve water, restore dead patches, and still have a beautiful lawn, including the one thing you should never do. And have you ever found a leak after a big rainstorm, but you can't seem to pinpoint exactly where it's coming from? We're going to share some tricks of the trade to help you find sources of roof leaks before they lead to serious damage. But first, this show is really about you. So we want to hear what you're working on and let us know how we can lend a hand. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. No matter when you're hearing this show, you can always call us 24-7. We are standing by to take your questions. And if we're not in the studio, we will call you back the next time we are. So let's get started. Leslie, who's first? Karen in Texas is on the line with a driveway that is just cracking up. What's going on? My home was built in the late 1970s, and that's what's going on is my driveway has just gotten full of cracks and everything. So when I was looking into replacing, tearing it out and replacing the concrete, I had someone suggest to me that there's some newer products on the market that you can overlay over top of the concrete. Yeah. So this is a concrete surface, right? We're not talking about asphalt. It's definitely concrete? Definitely concrete. All right. Now, the cracks that you're seeing, um, is the driveway sagging or is it just have these sort of fissures in it? And I'm asking this question because I want to know if it's structurally unstable because no matter what you put over it, if it's got a weak base, it's just going to continue to move and crack. It'll look better, but it'll still do that. I wouldn't say it's unstable. There are quite a few that... Run. They're not small, short ones. I mean, they've gotten pretty big. There is one area at the at the bottom of the driveway by the street that seems to have had a little bit of a mm, collapse shift. Yeah, nothing you can. Yeah, nothing that can't be can't be dealt with. All right. So here's what I would do. There's a new product out just this year from Quickcrete. It's called Recap. 
And it's a really interesting product because they've designed a product that will absolutely bind to old concrete and not separate. And it's fairly simple to apply. You put it on, you wet the, you clean the concrete, you put it on when the concrete's wet and you work it, smooth it out, you trowel it out. You can use, you know, uh, a squeegee. You can use a broom to give it a bit of a broom finish, and then the whole thing dries in, in just a few hours. I think that would be a great addition. In terms of the end of the driveway where it reaches the street, that's the part we call the apron. What I would recommend you do there is to go ahead and tear that out. You can pick up a few bags of quickcrete and mix it up in a wheelbarrow and re-pour that, and this way you can make sure it's it's nice and thick and structurally stable, and then even sort of extend the, the recap color onto that so it'll all look like one piece when it's all done. But I think that that's probably the best because if the concrete continues to move, and by that I mean sort of shift a little bit, expand, contract, freeze, thaw, cycle, whatever, those cracks will show back up, but most of them will be filled in by the recap product. I think you'll like how it works. Awesome. That was what I was hoping to hear because it's got to be a whole lot less expensive than having it tore out and completely re-poured. Well, absolutely. And, you know, by the way, there's one other option, too. If you'd love to have a paver driveway, there's a new paver out from Pavestone. It's called Milano. And what's cool about these Milano pavers is they're half the thickness of a normal paver, and they're designed specifically to go over old concrete patio and driveway surfaces. So you could look into those as well, probably a little more expensive, well, probably a lot more expensive than the recap product, but it looks absolutely gorgeous when it's done, and you really can't tell that it's not a full thickness paver when you see it. So there's two options for you. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Richard in Tennessee is on the line and has an interesting question involving an antique soda machine. Tell us about it. Well, I bought an antique soda machine that actually worked, and I uh, wanted to put the old quarter in and slide the bottle out, but I took it and put it in the garage, plugged it in, and as soon as the compressor kicked on, it tripped the GFCI breaker, or the GFCI circuit on the plug. So I reset it, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't stay reset. Well, that is totally expected, because refrigerators, when they kick on, have a very big draw of current, and that's necessary to get them going, and then it kind of goes down after that. But refrigerators are not supposed to be installed on ground fault circuits. And as a result, yours is going to keep tripping as it has. So your uh, proper solution would be to run a circuit just for that machine. And if it's just for that machine, it does not have to be ground fault protected. The reason uh, it's ground fault protected, uh, the circuit in the, in the in the garage is ground fault protected, is because it's a wet location. But for a dedicated uh, service to one machine, it would not have to be. You'll have to have an electrician do that. I would not, you know, disconnect the current ground fault because that covers the rest of the outlets in the garage, and it could even cover outside outlets or bathroom outlets. Sometimes uh, that circuit uh, can wind its way through the house. But uh, I would put in a dedicated outlet just for that machine, and then the problem should go away. Thank you very much. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. I mean, that sounds kind of fun to have that in the house. It does. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like everything, you think, I got the machine, I'm good to go. All I got to just plug it in. Ah, not so quick. There's other expenses <laughs> to making sure it works right. When that <laughs> machine was common, you know, you didn't have to worry about ground faults because we didn't have them yet. So right. Never had the issue. Today we do. <laughs> they were far so more dangerous then. <laughs> yeah. Now you got to add the circuit. <laughs> Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? 
That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T, MONEYPIT. Randy in Texas needs some help with some yard work. Tell us what's going on. Yes, ma'am. Uh, what I've got, I've got a 30-foot, a 15-foot pressure-treated deck on the back back of my house, and where the wood has shrank or shrunk uh, and given me gaps between the uh, two-by-six boards, I've had leaves fall in there, and I can't. You know, I have no way to get them out without taking the deck up, which I don't want to do. Is there some way that I can put some kind of uh, organic matter or something in there to break down the leaves so I don't have sprouts coming up. So you're saying that you have uh, organic matter that's stuck between the 2 by 6 floorboards of the deck and they're they're starting to grow? The deck itself is sitting on a uh, concrete patio, and then I've got 2 by 4s laid on, uh, on edge, 
and that's what I built the deck on. Oh, so it's a, it's basically a wood platform like a, like a pallet on top of a patio. There you go. Yeah, no wonder it's so moist. <laughs> well, listen, I mean that's a real unusual assembly, and there's good reason for 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 doing it, not doing it that way because of what you're seeing. You got a lot of moisture issues here. I don't have a good solution for you because it's just a a, a non traditional way to assemble a deck without having. I mean, I, it had to be that way. Otherwise, it wouldn't match up with the floor. I'd be elevated above my floor. Mm-hmm. My elevation of the of the house itself. I've right. heard putting uh, dry molasses. Would that help? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I feel like that might attract some critters. Uh, yeah, some, some ants. Definitely ants and stuff. You have a wood frame deck that's basically built flat on top of a concrete surface. The concrete's going to stay really moist and damp, which is one of the reasons that it's a, so it's a perfect, almost greenhouse-like conditions for you to grow um, plants through there. One of the things that you could do is you could use a product like Roundup. Which is a herbicide that will, you know, once you spray it, it will stop. It will kill things a lot stuff of things. coming back, right? And you also might want to try spray and forget. So spray and forget okay. also has the ability to stop mold and mildew and lichen and algae, and it may be just enough to uh, stop the growth of whatever's happening in between those boards. But you can find that at, at home centers nationwide. It's a great product, and, you, and it has a sort of residual effect. Now it's not an instant gratification kind of deal. You spray it on there, and you let the sun, the wind, and the rain get to it, and very slowly over time breaks down all of those materials and stops them from coming back. So you're going to have to do something like that to try to maintain this. Um, but in okay. terms of stopping the material from getting in between the cracks, that I don't have a solution for you on. Okay? Okay. All right. All right good luck. Thanks so much for that call. Appreciate your, your question, and good luck with the project. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, are you looking for a few extra feet for storage or relaxation or maybe for an entertainment center or maybe a guest bed? Well, the solution might already be right under your nose and maybe even under your roof. It's a porch. That's right. Porches are making a big comeback, showing up in a growing number of new construction projects. And they're suitable spaces for much more than an old porch rocker. Now, new porches are being equipped with radiant heat panels in the flooring, glare-proof mesh instead of traditional screens, and other features that not only make them comfortable, but fit for year-round use. Now, if you've already got a porch and it's looking a bit worn, there are a lot of new low-maintenance materials that you can use. Well, I shouldn't say the new. A lot, a lot of them have been around for a long time, but there are some new ones. But the nice thing is that they don't need anywhere near the amount of work to take care of than the traditional wood components that most porches have been built out. For example, you couldn't replace your wood porch floors with composites. You can use synthetic railings and spindles, which will need pretty much zero paint to maintain. Just make sure you evaluate that structure under all that porch floor before you remove and replace, you know, the boards you're walking on, because if the joists are having any issues, you need to deal with the structures first. And we don't want you to work on just the cosmetic stuff unless you know it is solid and secure. Now, once you're all done with the update, you can add from a growing variety of weatherproofing features and appliances like TVs, couches, all these sort of unexpected interior touches 
believe it or not, those things are all also made for outdoor use. You just have to make sure that you find pieces that are made for outdoor use. You don't want to put a regular sofa outside. You want to find one that's made with sort of polypropylene materials for the frame and then waterproof materials and foam for the cushions. So look for things that are properly rated for outdoor usage, even electronics, lighting, everything. And you can have just a beautifully designed space. If you'd like some more tips on updating your porch, head on over to moneypit.com and search porch repair. We've got a couple of great posts on just that. Taylor in Michigan's having issues with a door. What's going on? We were having like some swelling around our doors. And um, so it sticks when you shut it. And we were wondering if besides sanding it, if there's anything that you can do to help fix that issue. Well, you got to really figure out where it's sticking because that's going to determine how you fix it. So have you kind of figured out, is the door leaning and maybe one part is rubbing? Is it at the lock point? Where are you noticing the stick? Yeah, on both of our doors that have that issue, we've noticed it towards the top of the door. So that part might be leaning a little bit, I think. And have you tightened the screws in the hinges just to see maybe it's sort of loosened in its fitting in the jam itself? Yeah, we have tried that. Typically, if the door is not closing properly, it's not adjusted properly. And, you know, the door can only move so many ways. And what we typically find is that if you pay attention to the reveal as the door closes and you look for unevenness there, it's going to signal to you what has to happen. So, for example, if the door is is rubbing on the the top, then typically that hinge, the opposite hinge, has to be set deeper into the jam so it opens up. Look, you can sand this, you can cut this, but you're better off adjusting the door because invariably it did close properly once and it's just moved a little bit. Right, and that's expected over time. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you can pull a screw out that's going into the jam and replace it with a longer one that reaches through the stud. And just by doing that one thing and driving it in with like an impact uh, wrench or a drill driver, it, it will suck that whole jam over and fix the door like with one screw. Okay. okay. But that's what you need to pay attention to. Taylor, we did a video for Yale to teach folks how to align the door for smart locks. And the same advice actually applies. It's called DIY door alignment. For smart locks, it's on YouTube. It's also on moneypit.com. So just search for the door alignment video, and we will walk you through step-by-step all the different ways you can adjust a door. Okay? Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Andrew in Iowa, what can we do for you today? Uh, I have a roof that was redone with Benaridge, and I'm getting snow in my attic, and I want to make the attic a livable space. Uh, and kind of redo with drywall, and I don't know if I should kind of redo the venerage or if I can do, like, spray foam insulation before I do it or kind of what my next step would be. And you're asking a couple of different questions, so let me kind of break them down. First of all, to stop the snow from coming into your attic, that's a common thing that happens with ridge vents, and there's a type of vent called a, a filter vent. It's made by Certainty. Their brand is called AirVent. That's their website, airvent.com. And the filter vent has like this mesh inside that lets air pass in and out, but stops the snow and the rain from doing the same. So that's just a factor of having the right type of of vent product. Now, in terms of making that a livable space, I will say as 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 someone who owns a home where we had the attic completely sprayed with spray foam, I was a, I was very, very impressed with the results. The attic 
uh, is really quite pleasant now. And we only use it for storage. I did it for insulation, not for finishing. But the attic is very pleasant in the summer. It's not hot. In the winter, it's not cold. It's always ambient temperature up there. And if you do use spray, spray foam insulation, then you would actually block off all of your vents. You would take them out. You don't need to vent a roof uh, if you're going to spray the underside of it with spray foam. It's a ventless system by its design. So that's uh, that's an option that you can choose, or you could just put the filter vent in and finish it as it is. But I will say that the spray foam will give you better insulation uh, up there in that space than you could get by using a fiberglass bat, simply because the rafters aren't very deep in, in most cases, and you can't get enough inches of insulation in there. All right. Well, perfect. Thank you. I, I have a lower and upper attic, so it's a lot of space. So I just want to make sure I had the right plant before I went. So uh, it sounds like the spray foam insulation is. So thank you. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Michelle in Michigan's on the line with a question about moles. That's a lot of M's, Michelle. What's going on? Well, I have about an acre and a half of backyard. Well, actually, an acre, not quite a half. But I have moles constantly coming from my neighbor's yard and tearing up. And they're living under my patio. Well, you know why they're coming to your yard is because your yard is serving up a tasty treat that they really like. So. The reason why moles show up is because your property probably has grubs, and you might not see them. They're living in the dirt underneath the lawn, but that's what the moles are eating. So the trick to getting rid of the moles is to get rid of the grubs. Now, how would I go about by doing that? Because I've done everything I could possibly think of, um, spraying, putting things down, even a few homopathic things, but nothing seems to be working. So there's a couple of different products that you can use that will, I guess, treat the grub situation. One of them that you can find at your local home center is Grub X. And that's an application that you'll put on the lawn, and that will get rid of the grubs. I mean, it won't happen instantaneously, but it'll start to get rid of the grubs, and then the moles will figure out that you don't have the tasty treats in the lawn anymore, and they'll start moving elsewhere. Have you tried anything like that? No, I haven't tried anything like that. My neighbor down the street told me to poke little holes in the ground and put bubble gum in there, and they might be confused, thinking it might be a grub (laughs) or a worm, and they might not want to come back. I was trying to do something where I wouldn't hurt them, but they're really hurting my yard. That's right. It's really simple. If you eliminate their food source, they're going to go try to find that somewhere else. So the grubs are the food. If you eliminate the grubs, you eliminate the moles. Okay. Well, great. Then I'll have to give that a try. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, with the hot weather in some areas of the nation seeing water shortages, some homeowners are wondering how to avoid having their yards turn into a dead, dry wasteland. Well, it's possible to preserve and maintain your lawn even through dry spells and still have a beautiful yard. Yup. So here's a few tips to get started. It all begins with the soil. Now, you can add an amendment to your soil so that the plants don't need nearly as much water. That's just a fancy word for something you mix into the soil to improve it. If you've got, for example, sandy or gravelly or decomposed like granite kind of soil, you can help it hold water and nutrients by adding some well-decomposed materials like compost or, or manure or peat. But if you've got a soil that's got a lot of clay in it, you can improve the aeration, which is also important, and then add something that's more fibrous like composted wood chips or peat moss or straw. Next, it really helps to understand your soil's pH. Now, pH controls how available nutrients are for a plant to use. 
The ideal soil pH is usually considered to be 6.5. Now you can add lime to raise soil pH and sulfur to lower it. For about 20 bucks, you can get a soil test from your state's cooperative extension service. That's going to cover pH as well as a bunch of other categories, all designed to help you get to know the soil in your yard. Well, exactly. Now, once you know you've got good soil, what you want to do next is choose plants that are a little on the less thirsty side. You can do that by picking those that are, number one, native to your region and also able to thrive in your area's heat zone. The native plants are more likely to withstand those drought conditions and not suffer really any significant damage. So definitely stay native. Don't import when it's getting really hot out. Now, when it comes to watering, it's really important to make sure that the water you give your plants will be as effective as possible. So you want to use drip irrigation rather than overhead watering. Now, plants take in water more efficiently when it's applied to their roots rather than their leaves. Watering directly at the root is also going to conserve water that you're going to lose to evaporation or runoff during the overhead watering. Watering towards the evening really isn't great because if a plant sort of goes to bed wet, you know, it becomes nighttime, there's a really good chance that it could get a fungus disease just from having too much moisture in the root system. The sun in the day really helps sort of keep that water where it needs to be and in use for the duration of the day. At night, it just kind of sits there. You want to also make sure that you water deeply but infrequently. A good soaking once or twice a week really is all you need. Now, here's a kind of an important trick. You know, if we get drought conditions and if your lawn turns brown, you would naturally think that maybe the lawn has died. The truth is, it has not. It has just gone dormant. But it's really important that when it does go dormant, you do not walk on it because it's very fragile. If you don't walk on it, you just let it sit there and it's all of its brownness. Once the rain comes back or you can start watering again, it will sort of re-green and continue on its merry way to grow to the point where you got to drag that lawnmower out again. But if you walk on it and sort of transform it down, that will damage the plant, and that's going to take a whole season to come back. So try to stay off it when it gets really hot out, and it will come back very, very quickly. Now I've got Nancy in Arkansas on the line with a painting question. How can we help you? On behalf of my mom, and she has an older home, and there, she has like a lot of like, she has a popcorn ceiling, and she has a lot of like cobwebs and stuff, and I'm just wondering like, what would be the best way of removing those to eliminate as much, you know, debris falling in the carpet and that sort of thing, and but you know, to give it a fresh look. Well, I think with the popcorn ceiling, you know, number one, you're fighting the texture, so everything kind of wants to get stuck up there. So first off, is I would start with one of those like Swiffers that look like a feather duster, just to get all of that dust and that the cobwebs down, so that you've got a clean surface. And if that looks okay, then you might want to stop there. You can't really clean a popcorn ceiling because the way you remove a popcorn ceiling is to spray it with water and then you scrape it off. So if you try to clean it with any sort of cleanser or moisture, you're going to start to disintegrate the popcorn and make that come off if it's truly a popcorn ceiling and not like a textured stucco or something like that. So I think once you get the spider webs and things off of it, you might be better off just painting it and giving it a fresh coat to just, you know, sort of freshen up the ceiling space a little bit. But if you do decide to paint the popcorn ceiling, you have to get a very specialized roller. It looks like a um, it's a foam roller that has like a spiral cut to it. And that will open up to sort of accommodate the popcorn ceiling texture. If you use a regular roller, it's going to paint it and then pull the texture off. So you have to be careful in your application. But that'll do a great job of freshening it up. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. 
Well, if you've ever had a leak during a rainstorm and you can't find the source, we know it can be really frustrating, but there are a couple of tricks that we can share to help you narrow it down. First, most roof leaks, well, you'd think they come straight through the shingles, but they don't. Instead, they usually come through the places where different roofs intersect, as well as places where stuff comes through your roof, like a plumbing vent or a chimney. So you really want to start your inspection there. And when I say inspection, you don't have to go on the roof. Most of this work can be done from the ground using a pair of binoculars or a camera with even a telephoto lens. Any way you can get a close look at these areas is the place to start. Very often, um, I will grab a binocular or a camera with a long lens and look at the chimney flashing. And if it's separated, pulling away from the chimney, I don't have to be on the roof to find that. You can see it from the ground. Now, if the leak still isn't obvious and you're comfortable and competent climbing up on your roof, you can check for leaks by wetting down the roof with a hose and then having a helper in the attic below look for those leaks. Now, if you go with this method, it's important to work your way from the lowest section of the roof to the highest instead of that entire roof at once. This way, you're going to be able to spot the leak and narrow down the area it's coming from. And remember, don't blast water under the shingles, because if you do that, you can actually cause leaks to happen. Also, remember not to stand on the wet parts, because you don't want to slip. Roofs, slipping, water, all terrible. Yeah, only do this from the roof if you're really confident uh, working in a space like that. If not, hire a pro. Now, if you do find a leak, no matter how small, you need to repair it as quickly as you can. The repair complexity is going to vary based on the problem. And in many cases, you may need to hire a roofer to get it done just right. But remember, many times we have unfortunately heard of roofers trying to turn small repairs into a major roof replacement project. You rarely need to replace the entire roof if you're just dealing with one leak like that. They mostly can be fixed. So don't think that you're always going to have to go for a a big, complete roof over uh, when you're just dealing with one leak in one location. And you know what? If you still have questions, you can always reach us 24-7 at 888-MONEYPIT or post your question at moneypit.com. Joe in Iowa wants to talk decking. How can we help you? Well, i got a small problem with my decks. They're pressure-treated lumber, about 18-year-old decks. One faces north and one faces south. And I watched a neighbor, they're getting, both are getting bad. I watched a neighbor use one of those products where you paint it on and it's supposed to renew or restore your deck. I watched him pressure wash it twice and dry it and buy the special applicators with the two coats. Over the winter, one winter, it started peeling off. Yeah, I heard that time and time again. It looks good in the store, but it doesn't stick, it doesn't stick. And, and you get this really thick, coat of, I think they call it a restorer, it just peels right off. It's uh, it's like the worst peeling paint project you've ever you've ever seen. So, Joe, have you thought about doing sort of a deck makeover where perhaps you keep the structure, but you re- replace the deck boards with composite or something like that? That's what I was wondering. I've seen where they got these thinner composites you just put over the top of your boards, whether those stand up or just take all the deck boards off and put all new composite boards on. First thing I would do is I would do a thorough inspection of the structure because we don't want you to put do anything to this if it's not structurally sound. It's got to be well attached to the house. The floor joists have to be solid without major cracks or shifting, uh, you know, properly reinforced, properly braced. 
you know, if this thing is rock solid and the structure is good, then you could proceed. I would remove the decking boards because there's no structural integrity to the decking boards. I would pull the decking boards off and I would put simply composite right on top of that. Lots of great choices out there uh, in composite. You can take a look at the composite uh, products made by Veranda at the Home Depot, for example. Really good stuff. Goes on very easily. And once that's down, you'll never have to worry about a split, a crack, or, or picking up a paintbrush again. Or getting a splinter in your foot and you go out to check the grill. Nope. Yeah, that's right. Not at all. Yeah, and they have some composite components for the railing system as well, if you want to go that far. That's what I was wondering. What would be the best line to go with? Yeah, there's a lot of choices out there, but, I, you know, it's kind of personal preference. But, uh, you know, I've worked with the Veranda products which are made by some of the same manufacturers that made the that make the more name brands, uh, and they work great. So take a look at those and go from there. All right. Thank you. Remember, there are a couple of ways to get in touch with us. You can post your question at moneypit.com, and that is what Carl did. Carl's in Massachusetts, and he says, We recently moved into a new home, and one of my first jobs was to install a dishwasher. My problem is the dishwasher has developed a foul odor. We have cleaned and sanitized the washer several times. Still is quite stinky that I messed something up during the install. Help me make my wife happy. Well, Okay, how could we turn that down, Leslie? It sounds like he's dealing with what we call biogas, right? I mean, these are like little tiny bits of food that get stuck inside the spray arms sometimes, and then they decay, and then they can have an awful odor. They can also form on the backside of the rubber seal around the door. But I would look to see if you could disassemble the spray arms. That's usually what does it. These spray arms have little ports in them, and sometimes they get clogged, they get gross. You'll see like a black gel or a goo that come, sometimes will like attach to them. you got to flush that all out. Just use super hot water, soak them in a solution of water with a bit of bleach, and make sure you thoroughly wipe down those door seals with a bleach and water solution as well, and that ought to help you out a lot. There's also a product um, by Glisten, I believe, that's a dishwasher sanitizer that you can put in and run it through a cycle empty and it does a pretty good job of of cleaning some of those spaces you may have missed america we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights life liberty and the pursuit of happiness at grand canyon university we believe in equal opportunity and the american dream starts with purpose by honoring your career calling you impact your family your friends and your community the pursuit to serve others is yours Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. All right. Next up, Sylvia in Kansas posted a question. Now she writes, is it okay to paint over wallpaper? The previous owners of my home put wallpaper straight on the drywall with no primer, which is making it really difficult to remove. What's the worst that could happen if I do paint over it? I don't know. What's your two cents on that? I I helped out a friend of mine um, this week. His mom's house was going to be sold, and she had used wallpaper on half the rooms in the place. And I'm like, oh, man, it would be nice if you could just paint over it, because taking the wallpaper down on half the rooms in a house is a monstrous job. What do you think? I don't know. I don't like painting over it, because I feel like eventually... The glue behind the seams is going to give out and it'll start to peel. I don't think the seams ever really go away when you paint over it. Even if you were to tape or spackle or do something to kind of hide it, it's not going to be a long-term fix. And then when you want to eventually remove the wallpaper, it's a heck of a lot harder. Um, you know, I think it's worth it to go for the elbow grease and get the paper down or, you know, put another layer of drywall over it. You're going to be so much happier 
with the end result when you take the time to do it the right way. I just I'm not a fan of painting over it. I think it'd be bad. The other thing, though, is if you are going to take this down, my gosh, don't do it without renting a steamer. I mean, a wallpaper steamer is the only way to go. You'll have the best chance of loosening up that adhesive if you use a wallpaper steamer. There's also a little tool called a paper tiger that you roll over the surface and it puts these tiny holes in the paper. That helps that steam get behind the paper. So you roll it and perforate it with the paper tiger and then you use the steamer to try to separate it. And maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe it won't be so terrible when you use the right tools to get the job done. You know, a friend was asking about removing wallpaper, and they kept saying, I get the the paper claw. And I said, you mean the paper tiger? And they go, nah, I got a knockoff one. It made (laughs) made me laugh so hard. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Thank you so much for spending this part of this summer day with us. We hope we've given you some tips and ideas to maybe have a little less perspiration when you try to tackle those inspirations. If you have questions, don't get frustrated. Write us, call us, 888-MONEYPIT 24-7, or post your questions to the Money Pit's website at moneypit.com. Until next time, I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a body pit.